The growing calls across the nation to defund the police. To end policing as we know it. Off the charts violence in New York City. 11 people shot in just eight hours on Sunday. This is Sunday. about the police officers, officers who every single day put on that uniform and they run towards danger when we run away from it. Hello and welcome to Fire to Stop. This is the Comm Center with Drew Breezy. Folks, Fire to Stop is the number one podcast where we entertain and inform first responders through dark humor, practical news, and informative breakdowns. We're also here to educate your friends and family. Tonight, we're going to jump into the heart of the action in the Comm Center a podcast that illuminates the untold stories of emergency dispatchers and our vital role in saving lives. Join us as we delve into 911 calls, exciting body-worn cam video, and we're going to bridge the gap between dispatchers and first responders, uncovering the remarkable synergy that we use to safeguard communities. We're going to hear the voices behind the scene on the comm center. Joining me, as always, is our host, a 29-year veteran of law enforcement and dispatch, the one, the only, the magnificent, Andrew Baxter, Drew Breezy. Drew, how are you doing? I couldn't be happier, John. How are you doing? Uh, it's not fake at all. I also am, am, am elated to be here. No, uh, failure to stop. This is uh, the place to be. This is my highlight of the week. This is kind of how I decompress after a long week of work. I'm excited. Uh, tonight, we're going to bring you the story out of Thornton, Colorado. Folks, it's an old-fashioned armed bank robbery, pursuit, and gunfight. Did this happen in 2022? Or 1822. I have no idea, but it's a modern bank robbery. It's very exciting. We got tons of stuff to break down. Folks, if you have questions about how bank robberies work, if you want any pro tips or advice, you want to know how pursuits work, how the 911 calls during a bank robbery works, uh, all the radio traffic, everything that goes with the dispatcher, the police component, you know what? You can give us a call because we are a live YouTube show. If you're listening to us on Spotify, go ahead and get, give us a good rating or review. But I encourage you guys to watch the show live when we're on here on YouTube. There's a kind of an energy when we're live. It's uh, a lot of fun. We encourage you to watch us Thursday nights at 8, 7 central on YouTube. But you can call us at 848-COM-911. That's area code 848-266. 6911. Okay, 6911. Nice. Drew, I'm really excited about some stuff that we got going on on the channel. Uh, why don't you drop it all on us? Okay, come on. Like, I mean, do, do I have to be the bearer? Oh, you know what? I need to be the bearer of some good news for once. So let's do that. Look, first of all, we got, I, I just want to acknowledge what we got going on in the chats and what you're missing out on. Uh, and these are just a select few. I, our old friend, Abby, who we haven't heard from in a little bit, she's been traveling, she's been doing some things. Uh, in her favorite town. We have Andrea up late. She's uh, our very close friend known as Andrea. David is in the chats. He's our mainstay. Armory Knight is back. Thank you for being here. We have been Diesel, a while. Be, Diesel Tech Bosco. We have the other Davey. We have the Falconator, Brittany Faulkner, as usual. Christy, who's related to everybody on the show. We are all God's children. And uh, there's some other people in here. EJP, James Russell, who's a, a good, a big fan of ours. Ocean Gate Crunch. How about this? We answer your comments in YouTube. So if you've got a question, make sure that you leave a comment below. Make sure that follow, you follow us on Instagram. Here's what I want to talk about tonight a little bit, John. There's been a documentary that, uh, wait, oh, things police see. Steve is here tonight. Uh, nice. Evening. How are you? Uh, I've um, I was involved along. Hello, Teresa. I've been involved in something uh, not not involved, like loosely 
uh, I contributed to uh, a, a PTSD 911 documentary. In fact, that's what it's called, PTSD 911. It was uh, directed and produced by a guy named Conrad Weaver, who's a brilliant documentarian, and um, it, it's a big deal. And I got to go, I had the honor of going to the uh, uh, the opening, the premiere. Um, I guess that was last November or something like that. So the deal with PTSD 911, I've been trying to get the film to Tampa. It's, it's, it's not a Conrad Weaver issue. It's a Drew Breezy issue. It's me not uh, securing the venue and, and, and stuff like that. And I really got to get motivated to do it. But, you know, just to be quite honest, it's just been one thing after another in my life. If, if, if you follow the show, you know what I'm talking about. So uh, what I want to do, and I hope hope that Conrad wouldn't mind because there's a reason why I'm doing this, is I want to play the promo for uh, PTSD 911. So you guys get an idea and an understanding of what this movie is about and how important it is for the professions of uh, first responders, including dispatchers, because he included dispatcher PTSD. In a, and again, there's a whole reason why I want to get into all of that. So let's, uh, if you don't mind, watch the promo. I went to a really dark place in my mind where suicide became an option. I was going through a divorce. I had lost a lot of relationships with people and I wasn't, I was isolating. While I was trying to heal from the traumas that had put me in the position. It's not showing, is it? Oh, can you hear it? Yeah, it, it, so it was doing something funky when we started. We finally got it to work, and now all of a sudden it's not working again. But we're, we're going to get that fixed in a, uh, in a second if we flapjack for about 25 seconds. I think we – Yeah, you flapjack, Drew. I wanted to talk about uh, some of the other stuff that we got going on in the channel. First of all, I wanted to mention how excited I am. Tomorrow on The Big Show, we got the toughest sheriff in America, Joe Arpaio, is going to be on the show. Now, every single time I have mentioned this to anyone, they're like, oh, it's the pink underwear guy. Yes, he's the, the former sheriff of Maricopa County who ran the tent city jail, had inmates wearing stripes again, had them in chain gangs, had them wearing a pink underwear. They used to have to get on little exercise bikes to watch TV. I can remember watching this guy on 2020, 20 years ago. When we were in college, I remember he was such a hot button issue because my criminal justice professor, Loki, hated the guy because she was a closeted liberal. Um and she would always like try to spike, stir up some controversy about this, about whether or not all of the things he was doing was against the Eighth Amendment. And I'm just like, well, it wasn't against the Eighth Amendment 100 years ago, you know. And, and of course, we got to do a com- conversation about, you know, evolving standards and what's cool and unusual. Aside from that, Drew and I got quite a bit planned coming up. Uh, we're going to fully exploit for the first time ever this format. As you guys know who have followed us, uh, it's been a bumpy road. Even right now, Drew's uh, flapjacking his little little hard away trying to get a video to play that we desperately do want to show you. But uh, next week, we, we want you guys to join us live. We want you to be here next next Thursday at 8, 7 Central. Jump on the YouTube. If you have a friend or a family member or anything like that, uh, join us because we are going to do a game show. That's right. In the traditional fashion of FM radio or television, we're going to do a game show. So you can call in and you can participate. You could be a contestant on that. Uh, We'll uh, obviously release more details about that as we get that set up next week. Deadleg's already a, a, a contestant, so we already have one. So you'll be competing against Deadleg. And what are you going to win? 
utterly something. We haven't decided what it was yet. We do have prizes that we could give away around here. We're just thinking maybe uh, do you uh, treat you to some factor meals, or I could give you that manscaping kit that Tansy gave me that I've I've never <laughs> unboxed. I could send it to you if you want. If you want, if you want a manscaping kit that has been in the hands of both me and Eric Tansy, like you know, if it has that uh, that eBay value for you, like it's been touched by your your favorite podcasters, we could get that to you. Or you know, what we could get you something cool but drew and i are still formulating it so we want to encourage you to be here if you can call into work disregard your family uh be here next week so you can dial 848 com join us live because we are going to do a game show yes it will be your 911 related it will be police related if you are into true crime it's gonna uh tickle you and we are both looking forward to that and uh the week after that we got uh, a really good show uh programmed in drew and i normally uh Normally, we just we figure out what the show is, you know, about 15 minutes before we go on. Uh, but we are scheduled out through the end of August, so we are on our A game. Drew, it looks like you've got some, you, you've got your A game going again right now. Are you ready? Let's see what it does. Let's see what it does. We're going to leave it kind of smallish. But... I went to a really dark place in my mind where suicide became an option. I was going through a divorce. I had lost a lot of relationships with people, and I wasn't. I was isolating. While I was trying to heal from the traumas that had put me in the position that I was in, I suddenly lost all the support of all the guys I worked with. Yeah, shots fired. Shots fired on the roof. About 15 minutes in, I'm just listening, and all you can hear is just people screaming. I was only two years into my career with Boston at this point. I was so hypervigilant. And, and I couldn't shut my brain off. I remember the moment I was like, okay, I was up all night. It was just trauma after trauma after trauma. You know, the novelty of the job wore off really quick. I couldn't think of how to get help without ruining my job. There's a stigma in the profession that creates a barrier, a stigma in their agencies that prevents them from getting the help they need. I didn't have somebody to talk to. I didn't have somebody that understood. There was a part of me that said, okay, pick up the phone, call this person. This is how you're going to get yourself out of this skillfully and safely. I look back at that period of my life and, and I just felt so completely, utterly isolated. Now my ego wants to stop me from doing that. It wants to tell me, um, you got this. You don't need to let anybody know that this is going on. And that's why I didn't know where to turn. And I didn't, I beat myself up because I thought I am such a mess and I'm the only one. I have four years till retirement and I got to be okay and I got to make it. Right now our profession is, is being challenged. We're going through a really, really difficult season. Uh, there's no time like the present where officer wellness has to be your number one priority. We have to do a better job as leadership in our profession to understand that, that that is what we're dealing with people. And I think it's really important that that is our number one resource and that it has to be our number one priority moving forward if we want to change this profession. We're just coming into our second year now of really teaching structured training in wellness, mental health to the um, firefighter academy. Okay, I'm open to trying something different. If you told me me four years ago or three years ago I was doing yoga, I'd have laughed in your face. If I could plant seeds throughout the state of wellness, we'll get out there and start permeating and changing the culture. And so much better when you have 
really amazing people in your life that you can walk through this stuff with. You don't have to do it alone. Powerful stuff, Drew. Yeah, so the point is you don't have to do it alone. Uh, the reason I played that is because uh, we lost someone in that uh, trailer. Uh, we, we lost somebody that was in the movie, somebody that was very important, uh, Nicole. Uh, she was identified as Nicole Janney in the in the uh, movie. Uh, she's she succumbed to her battle with PTSD. Uh, she's been out of the profession for a while. We were going to try to get her on the show, as a matter of fact. Nicole was... Um, a bright spot. I mean, I got to shake hands and meet these people at the premiere. They're human beings and they were just wonderful people anyway. Uh, Nicole um, was a dispatcher during the Boston bombing. Uh, and as you heard in the trailer, she'd only been on the job for a couple of years at the time and she had uh, just never been able to, to kind of shake it. So I, I just, I want to read her, um, instead of reading her obituary, which you can find anywhere, Nicole Ford in, in Maine, I want to read this article from uh, the Journal of Emergency Dispatch. Uh, and it was uh, from when, back in, I think it was 2021 when she attended a course. Uh, she was voted by her peers to represent the uh, class of 2020 communication center manager program at Navigator. She was an emergency dispatcher of the Boston Police Department in Massachusetts. Uh, she could dispatch the toughest of calls, the Boston Marathon bombing, for example, and keep her cool, knowing she was doing all she could to help. And sure, some situations weighed more heavily on her than others, but not to the extent of the call convincing her to leave. Uh, Nicole distinctly remembers handling the radio transmission. Shots were fired at traffic stops. Shootings were not unusual in that part of town, but from the sounds in the background, she realized it was particularly bad, and a police officer was shot in the face during a routine traffic stop. That's something else she handled. She managed the situation, quote, calmly, end quote, and sometimes later feeling guilt, uh, sometimes later feelings of insecurity and worry crept up. She said, I self-talked. I could have done so much better. Uh, the effect wasn't immediate. Symptoms of post-traumatic stress came on gradually. Mood shifts, irritability. She felt broken, and she tried ignoring the symptoms, hoping the stress monkey would get off her back voluntarily. No mental health services were available due to the job's classification. She made the decision to leave, thinking that she might at some point jeopardize those she was dedicated to protecting. She took a job dispatching cement trucks. The article goes on, and there's a lot more to it. The point is this. We talk a lot about reclassification. I see, um, you know, the um, the guy we had on the, the main show last week, uh, Antihero Podcast, put out a, um, a, a short, a YouTube short, where he had a dispatcher on, and he talked about how, like, look, you know, th these are first responders, you know, should should dispatchers be classified as first responders and the first few cops in the the comments were like no way no way no way nobody could offer a reason why other than it challenges their ego or they don't want to be compared to a dispatcher or something wild nobody so you know in true drew fashion i i left a full-on comment and and, and it still stands today I, I wrote this piece back in uh 20 uh, 19. I wrote it for my agency. It's called uh, Mitigating Workplace Stress and Trauma in the Civilian Sector. It's about dispatcher trauma, and it will tell you 
all of my findings and research that dispatcher trauma or trauma is trauma. It's no different than what police officers experience. It's no different than what firefighters experience. When you're talking about acute danger, there is something different. When you're talking about burning into a going into a burning building or when you're talking about bullets flying at you, yes, there's some acute danger uh, that 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 maybe puts somebody at risk more frequently. But when you're talking about the long term, uh, dispatcher trauma is the exact same as any other trauma and and they're they're classified as clerical or administrative, which is the same thing as the janitor, the secretary, the uh, payroll clerk. And you'll never in a million years convince me that what a dispatcher does, a 911 emergency call taker and a radio dispatcher, you'll never in a million years convince me what they what they do is comparable to what a uh, a radio technician does. Uh, that fixes the radios or the antennas versus, or an HR person versus what a cop does or what a firefighter does. You'll never convince me that there's more of a divide between first quote, first responders and quote civilians. Uh, You know, they're closer to civilians than they are first responders. That's a load of hooey. And you see in in cases like Nicole where the, the the medical services or the the uh, mental health services aren't necessarily available because of your job classification, and maybe that's a- agency dependent. I know a lot of states are changing that. There's like 11 states that classify uh, uh, dispatchers as uh, you know first responders. The 911 Saves Act has been kicked around for a long time. Uh, it's it's in committees. I think it was introduced in 2018, maybe. But in, and that was the birth of Ricardo's I am 911. But it's in committees. It's still in committees. It's it's not. It hasn't been updated by the Office of Management and Budget. But this is the outcome. The outcome is this. Nicole could never shake that. She could never, as the article said, she could never get the monkey off of her back. It's the same monkey. And I, I don't want to see anybody hurt. And I don't want to see anybody die. That is an on-the-job injury. That's a job-related injury. And, you know, workers' comp is, is starting to cover things like that in certain states. Um, so if, if anything, the legacy of Nicole should teach us or, or help carry on, it's that uh, they deserve to be treated a lot better than they're being treated. And if you need <laughs> – what greater example do you need than the hero that was on the radio the day the other heroes were acting uh, during the Boston Marathon bombing? Um, uh, she, you know, she, she ended her life. So, uh, and that was how many years ago? I mean, she just hasn't been able to shake it. She even got out of the industry. So, uh, look, you know, I don't want to bring anybody down anymore, but, uh, God, God rest your soul, Nicole. Um, I, I hope that you have found the peace that you were looking for. And I'm very sad that that's, that was an option for you. And if anybody else is, uh, is feeling, uh, that that's an option for them. You can reach out to any one of us at any time. You can call uh, uh, the the. Help me, John. Is it eight one eight one one? Is the, is uh, the it's it's um, it's nine eight eight is the new number. Thank you, thank you. And there is, by the way, um, a Florida Heroes line um, that I'm looking for the number four, but it, it's it's nationwide so like if uh if you're if you're feeling that way if you're feeling suicidal don't be afraid to say it 
Don't be afraid to say the word suicide around work either. Yep. Uh, this is a bunch of bullshit, but uh, some, some number, numbers for you, Drew. First of all, Nicole was only 40. I'm uh, I'm almost 39, so I, I can very easily put myself in, in her shoes. Uh, but some more numbers for you. The average uh, tenure career of, of, a, of a 911 dispatcher is seven years. So whatever your job is out there in uh, podcast land, just compare your job to our job. And again, you know, maybe it's hard for you to understand what we do, or maybe you feel like maybe we're, uh, we've got kind of a woe is me attitude, but I want to throw another number at you. Okay. So we typically only make it seven years, 3% in my state, 3% in my state, make it to retirement. Why? Because retirement's too far away because this job burns you out. And, uh, and then there's, people like Nicole that affect the numbers. So, um, you know, we're not here to, if you, if you, if you grant 911 dispatchers, just understanding that, that we're first responders and that we go through things, it doesn't take anything away from a firefighter or a police officer or someone in the military or anyone else that you want to put up on that level to say, we need to take care of these people. It doesn't take anything away from them to just take better care of 911 dispatchers. And case in point, you have someone who's responding to a national tragedy, you know, on a scale that was horrific. And she, like Drew said, she carried it with her all, all the way through until uh, this summer. And she couldn't carry it anymore. Another number for you, if you want to reach out at 757-231-6916. That's my number. Uh-huh. All right, Drew, why don't we, why don't we pick it up a little bit? Yeah, we'll pick it up. I just, I promised a number. It's 8664-FL-HERO, Florida Hero. It doesn't matter where you are, what state you're from. They're going to get, they're going to get you support, whatever, whatever you need. But that's a program that's done here locally. Uh, It's called Hope Line. Uh, I'm sorry. I couldn't remember the number right off the top of my head here. Um, And then, and by the way, uh, you know, Abby made mention of it. There was a Dallas police officer involved in the use of force. Uh, I I really didn't want to cover it because of the heaviness of this one, but uh, there's a Dallas police officer involved in the use of force, and 24 hours later, he took his own life. I mean, this is a this is a reality, and these are things that we deal with. These are coworkers, these are brothers and sisters, and more importantly, in life, they are actual brothers and sisters to somebody, or mothers and, and fathers, or sons and daughters. And and uh, I just, you know, having struggled with suicide myself, I, I just I, I see the impact of what could have been. Uh, and I'm thankful that I'm here and I'm more than willing to, to share anything that I've learned or any of the tools in my toolbox to make sure that you're here tomorrow to hear about it too. All right. So, um, now we got that out of the way and it's, it's not necessarily anything, uh, I wanted to get out of the way. I did that kind of well, I mean, we're walking the line of we got to talk about something that's important. You know, it, it's something that affects you and me. When I found out today, I was heartbroken over it. And it's something that affects the profession. We are here to talk about the profession. We're here to here to inform. We're here to to inform, and uh, we're also here to uh, entertain. So we can we can get on with that. We can talk about uh, uh, this uh, incident that occurred late last year in Thornton, Colorado. I'll just set it up for you a little bit, then we'll go straight to, to the media presentation. But basically, you had uh, an armed robbery at a bank at a Wells Fargo, and uh, we had two suspects uh, flee the scene in a car, and a pursuit began. And uh, there's all kinds of stuff that you could say about pursuits. I've got plenty to say, and I'm sure that Drew does too, because I know that he put on a, didn't you put on a fake masterclass about pursuits? At some point, I, I listened to you talk about pursuits and how a lot of yeah. times they're just not worth it. Go ahead, Drew. 
Yeah, it was the Pinellas County Pursuit. If you want to go to uh, what's called FTS Academy on our YouTube channel, which is Failure to Stop 1749. But if you just, you know, search Failure to Stop. Well, if you're watching us on YouTube, obviously you know where it is. You're already here. But there's a playlist called uh, FTS Academy, which is just a bunch of uh, myself and Eric Tanzi uh, uh, spreading our knowledge. And uh, I, I opined on a, a pursuit case out of Pinellas County where three young uh, individuals took a, uh, a very high end, I think it was a Maserati. And uh, the, the officers got behind them and uh, they accelerated. So the officers backed off and the helicopter was watching the whole time. And then they ended up flipping into a, a pole and it killed two of the three of them. I think the third was in critical condition when at the time I did the video. So uh, I gave the pros and cons of pursuits. Uh, I, I have a very strong opinion about it. So hopefully we'll be able to explore that a little bit. I'm sure we're going to be in sharp contrast because I obviously believe that as a law enforcement officer, your determination should exceed all reason and you should put it all on the line for tonight. <laughs> <laughs> don't have any like long-term strategy about your law enforcement career. Here's another thing I wanted to say before we uh, just get started. Uh, I've been getting just a lot of B stuff every day. Every, Lumber Chef, others, even Micah, sending me lots of B stuff. But no one is sending me more than one Clark Culper. And I wanted to. I told him that I was so sick of it. I was going to call him out on the show tonight. He seems to think that the war on bees is hilarious. Clark, it's not. You need to go and. Uh, uh, go make fun of something else because some of us are trying to do some good work around here. All right, Drew, should we go to the media? Should we go to the 911 call? Please do. Let's do it. I'm I'm ready. Let's get it on here. Here it goes. Clark, number one, was your emergency? Uh, I got a guy ran over to me at Coles at 120th in Colorado. Says someone's robbing the bank at Wells Fargo right here. Okay, okay. Right by the grease monkey on 120th in Colorado. Okay, hold on. Hold on. So he's, he's freaking out. I'm not sure. He's just screaming, saying, they're robbing the bank. They're robbing the bank. Call 911. I'm like, what? Okay. All right, I have to stop it already. What is the substance of this 911 call? It's it's someone telling the story of why they were instructed to call 911. <laughs> He's basically saying, this guy was all crazy. They ran over to me and said, call 911. Someone's robbing the bank. This guy knows nothing else. Yeah, I can tell you right away, the 911 dispatcher on this call has already taken at least one more call. Uh, she's also telling him to kind of pump the brakes a little bit there. Usually when you're getting a call of a bank robbery, it's one of the most complex and dangerous cases that uh, you could possibly dispatch any felony in progress is, but I mean, armed robbery is, uh, you know, it's, it's top tier. It's not exactly active shooter, but I mean, it's potentially active shooter. So it's, it's way up there. Uh, armed robbery calls for service, particularly those in progress are usually uh, signaled out with a tone to alert all law enforcement in the area. And uh, they're really hard to dispatch because they're really two kinds of call combined. And you're constantly juggling to find out which part is more important. And the only way you can do that is by asking questions. So uh, at face value, this is a very ser serious criminal matter that needs to be interdicted upon immediately. But it could also be a serious medical matter. Anytime you have an armed robbery, you have weapons, there's a potential that someone may have been injured or even possibly shot. Trying to give uh, emergency medical advice to someone who is dealing with uncontrolled bleeding, a gunshot wound, while also trying to get suspect information. What did they look like? What was the last known direction of travel? How long ago did they leave? Did they have weapons in hand? What kinds of weapons? You can see that and particularly someone who's rattled and shaken up like this guy was, it can be a lot to get out of somebody and it can be a lot of information to give them. 
give to them. Uh, Drew, any more initial thoughts before I keep going? I, I do like the play acting that he was doing. He he said, uh, call 911, you know, like basically, uh, you know, there's flames shooting out of the window across <laughs> across from the, in the building across from us. And somebody came in yelling fire, fire, like, uh, you know, like, I don't know what he's talking about. Uh, so, you know, the dispatcher is going to have to wade through that and figure out like, you know, is this guy for real or what? And like John said, the, the position next to them, to the right of them or to the left of them is probably taking a call. And then when you think about uh, dispatching cars or uh, law enforcement officers to a um, bank robbery, um, it, it's important to find out if they see weapons or if it, they're implied. Um, there have been bomb bombs used to rob banks like they're just like nuanced details that you want to try to get but there's a high incidence of uh or, or a high probability of uh say a hostage situation when you think about it because there are usually more than one person in the bank there's going to be several employees there may be people waiting in line uh to get their uh loans rejected or whatever you do in a bank and um when when somebody comes in to rob it, obviously those people are still in there. So if the uh, law enforcement officer arrives before them, it's a it's a very uh, touchy touch and go type situation. That can be rough. Uh, it's funny you mentioned uh, that they can use a bomb. Sometimes you, it's armed robbery, whether they actually have a weapon or not. If they claim to, if they do the thing where they put their finger in the jacket and poke it out. Or uh, I was watching this case on an old Unsolved Mysteries where they made their getaway easier because they throw down a duffel bag at the last second. They're like, it's a bomb. If you touch it, it's going to go off. And so everyone was so paralyzed with fear that this duffel bag was going to blow up. They did nothing, and it helped their getaway. So that's a pro tip for you, I guess, if you're going to rob a bag. Uh, throw in a fake bomb. You might uh, get an additional charge for that. You know, I mean, that's uh, that's like a terroristic threat, but we'll keep going. I almost wonder. Hold on one second. Yeah. Okay. Give me one second. So he just ran over. He didn't say what they were doing. He just ran over to. Is he still with you guys? He just said they're they're robbing the bank. Okay. He's over here. People are. No, I got no idea. So the Wells Fargo at 120th in Colorado, correct? I said yelling, don't go in the bank. Okay. There's, he's freaking out. Okay. Where, 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 where are you at? I'm in front of Cole's okay. parking lot. Cole's had a pretty kick-ass uh, sale. They had a, a kick-ass sale, you said? <laughs> Back to school, yeah. Go ahead. Well, the Cole's cash was probably expiring, too. you got to remember when they issue that, like, uh, it's Cole's cash has all the, the longevity of a glass of milk. You know, it's quite an expiry day. They're, they're always like at Cole's, they're like, hey, you got $66 of Cole cash. I'm like, cool. What does that mean? I mean, it means if you come back here next week and you spend a hundred dollars, you could save sixty six dollars. I'm like, but I just I just bought all the stuff I need from Kohl's. You can uh, you can use this Kohl's cash between Saturday and Saturday night. I know it's it's harder to set up an appointment to use cold ca Kohl's cash than it is to you know meet with your cable provider or whatever. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, so the, this guy calling nine one one, he just uh, he has a story to tell. This is the most exciting thing that's ever happened to him. He has no good information, at least initially. There's probably other callers uh, already talking in the center to other dispatchers who have more actionable information. Everybody's got a cell phone these days. You guys probably heard those tones going off, Drew, unless I'm mistaken. My tones just sound different, but that would have been the dispatcher toning it out for law enforcement, correct? No, we, we didn't use uh, tones at my agency, believe it or not. We, we, we were not required to use tones. In fact, 
hold on, let me back up. We we were probably required, but the dispatchers got tired of hearing the complaints. So we never really had a tone. Like if the tone went off, like that was, you know, the tsunami is here. Yeah. No, I get you in Tampa. You guys are living a Miami Vice, you know, lifestyle down there. So I, I get you. Um, uh, some of the complaints uh, around my agency are there's a nearby agency that tones out all of their felonies in progress on state radio. So everyone on uh, every corner of the state gets to hear what's going on in this one town. And it's sort of annoying. And to be honest with you, I'm at the point now, too, where I hear their tones and I'm just like, oh, whatever. Somebody <laughs> just got stabbed. You know, you kind of get used to it. But uh, Red Wolf kind of thing. Yeah. So, you know, I'll, I'm only really toning out like uh, injury accidents, rollovers, any any kind of felony progress. I'm going to still tone out because, you know, we just we're not we're not so used to the tones. But uh, we'll go ahead and uh, we'll go ahead with the radio traffic, which is going to cover. Uh, police officers being fed information. They're, they're obviously headed to the scene, code three with lights and sirens. And uh, they're going to be given information by the dispatcher who's still on the phone. And so what's happening now is that the police officers are not trying to necessarily get to the bank, although some of them are, but they're trying to catch up with the suspect. So we need to know the direction of travel. What was the make and model of the vehicle? What was the color of the vehicle? Here's one thing that I just will never understand. And this is not a criticism. It's just a weird sociological phenomenon. I will ask, what kind of car was it? They'll say it was a 2019 uh, Chevy S10 2500. Like they know the exact year of the car and they know how much it weighs. They do not know the color of the car. Like you would not believe the number of people who can tell me like, uh, you know, that was, you know, some, it was like a Volkswagen Jetta XTI or something like they know, like the very particular model. Like I would be fine if you could say sedan, pickup truck, crossover SUV. They'll even know the year. They're like, oh, no, that was third-generation Chevy Cavalier. But, they, you know, like, what color was it? Ah, you know, it was kind of a, you know, what what color is it when you, uh, what, and I'm just like, I don't know. I'm like, I don't know, like, tan? <laughs> no, not tan, pewter. And I'm like, oh, of course it was. It was like, uh, uh, the color of uh, my edema after two weeks. You know, it, it, was, it was kind of purple, a little black, somewhat blue. But, uh, you know, it was definitely not Minnesota Vikings, not Giants blue. Yes. No, it was it was more like it was more like Chargers blue. Drew, what are we going to do when this show is on at the same time as Thursday Night Football? We're going to have to pre-record, right? We're going to rejoice. We're going to rejoice when it's on direct football. One last petty complaint is that no one knows what the word sedan means anymore. When I say to them, was it a sedan? No, it was like a regular car. John, right. how about how about this age-old debate between r people, humans that call 911 and people who input things into a computer to send cops to? Is it an older model or a newer model? Oh, no, I'm yeah. Pretty sure, I'm pretty sure Compared to a, what? I'm pretty sure it was an older model. Okay, what year would you say? Uh, 2023? You know, like, it's older. It's like, you know, an older model. Like, it's older in... <laughs> no. Not older on the time continuum. We're not going older, you know, anno domini. We're, we're saying, you know, <laughs> we're going older as in, did it look like Starsky and Hutch? Did it look like uh, Ed Perez's, uh, you know, prize Celica? Or did it look like, uh, you know, a, a, brand, a, a Tesla? You know what I'm saying? 
Well, people are like that with people, too. I'll be like, uh, yeah, a lady just found the parking lot. Okay, about how old is she? Uh, let me go ask her. I'm like, you can ballpark it for me. Well, she's older. I'm like, okay, I'm 39. How old are you? Like, what is older? Because when you're 17, you look at someone who's 40, and you're like, well, that person, just send the hearse. There's no reason to even send an ambulance, <laughs> right? You know? But uh, So, like, uh, saying they're an older person, and particularly now that I'm firmly middle-aged, and no one ever says the patient is middle-aged, there's a whole... I, I have no idea how old this person. I'm like, just ballpark it for me. And even today, even today, I was like, are they 16? Are they 30? Are they 45? Are they are they 86? Like, I had to give them just like with race. I actually to make it go faster, I had to give them four options because they're just like, ah, I don't know. Is that are those crow's feet or is it just like the light playing tricks? I'm like, just, just guess, just guess their age. You know, like they, when it comes to like first aid. There's certain things we've got to know. Like if we're going to do CPR, I need to know like how old this child is because CPR changes after you're a certain age, a certain weight. But knowing if someone's about my age, kind of middle age, and then if they're a geriatric patient, if they've fallen, you know, if I fall, like my ego is going to be primarily bruised. If, if someone who's 65 fall, I'm like, well, that's a possible fractured hip. That's a whole other thing. So that's why we ask the age. You do not have to like card them. Like you're selling them tobacco. Just, just give me your dead reckoning. And you know what? If you're off by 10 years, I'm not going to call you back. And like, well, that, that person didn't make it because you guessed their age wrong. Just shoot me a number folks. That, that's the easiest way to do it. Drew, I'm, this is a lot of complaining between clips. Should you just keep going? Hold on. No, I want to complain about one more thing. Candy apple yes. blue. Somebody once told me that the color was candy apple blue. Now, I understand that, like, when you dip a candy apple, there's, like, a shiny coating on it, right? I've never known of a blue apple, though. So I got confused. Maybe that's just me. Maybe I just got confused by that. I'm not a body man, if you if you haven't figured that out. Uh, but candy candy apple blue is pretty uh, pretty annoying. Can you send me that? I need to know what candy apple blue is. It's candy apple red, but it's blue. That's what I'm saying, John. That's exactly uh, what I'm saying. Okay, as a 911 dispatcher, you have just activated. Like if someone said candy apple blue to me, I'm, I may, I may, <laughs> like I may get, may get mad about that. Just wanted to call it, call it a super chat from a baddie. Be Beatty, like Warren Warren Beatty, a baddie Beatty. I'm sorry if I'm not getting your name correct, but 1999, uh, we all partied like it was 1999. That's an honor, Nicole. Thank you so much for uh, for donating that to the cause. We are, you know, that money goes to us, not to Nicole, but we are here to talk about Nicole and, and other people, and we're going to continue to do that. That's why uh, Com Center was started. That's why Drew first reached out to me last December and said, you want to uh, make a show that draws prevention, uh, draws attention to your plight. I said, I'm all about it. And uh, on behalf of Nicole, I'm going to also soldier on. All right, Drew, any more complaints about color? I used to yeah. have a champagne Dodge Intrepid. I just want to throw that out there. It, was, it, literally, it said champagne on the title though. So yeah, I'm more mad that you had the Intrepid. Uh, go ahead. All right, here we're going to go. We're going to go with radio traffic. Robbery just occurred at Wells Fargo, 12040 Colorado Boulevard, tuned at 1301. Okay, did you fucking understand that, Drew? Yes, he said. Okay, I just have to say, this is complaint night. If you are a police officer, take the microphone out of your mouth. You have to hold it the right distance and speak up. I know that you think that we can just automatically hear you, but there's a case in point. There's a police officer responding to a felony progress, and he sounds like, like we have no idea. I assume that they're, 
I assume they're going and the dispatcher probably recognizes the voice and maybe they've got a digital system that says what unit's going, but that was annoying. Go ahead, Drew. I have to say that there is a sweet spot because we used to wear the shoulder, the lapel mics. And yes, what, I love those. Well, what people would do is like, <laughs> I don't want to get anybody in trouble that lives in this house with me. But uh, when I'm seven rooms away and they go, and I'm like, oh, that, that made me mad right now. And we're doing a fun thing together. And I'm actually mad. <laughs> Are you talking to me? Yes. <laughs> That's so, it's so maddening. So, so uh, the, the cops do that. The, uh, the shoulder lapel mic, they hit the, they key the mic. Then they somehow wrench their neck 186 degrees away from the direction of the mic. They, they're, they're, they have owl DNA. That's the only way I could explain how they could get that <laughs> far away from the mic. They have owl DNA. They say something very important. Then they let go of it. Then they wrench their neck back. Or you have what you just have here. They, they grab it. They swallow it like it's a uh, Olive Garden breadstick and start uh, reciting, you know, whatever they need to recite. Uh, your friend, uh, I believe, that isn't uh, Ed Selica? Yeah. Isn't that your friend? Okay, he said hi, Drew, earlier, and he didn't say anything to John. So, hi, hi, Ed Selica. Uh, what color is your Selica? We'll keep going on. It's not champagne. I can tell you that much. Uh, we have extremely vague information. The RP's quite any further. Trying to get further now. Seven's all I'm breaking. Uh, let Northland know she's right inside of cheesesteak. Copy. At thirteen one. Level of on scene car is going to be driving through the median gray Lexus trying to head northbound Colorado. Gray Lexus, or correction, SUV, no plates. Okay, stop. Yeah, go ahead. The criteria. Um, here's what we have to remember. Um, You've got to get somebody as quick as possible to the scene for a couple of reasons. And this is going to drive cops completely crazy because I'm being an administrator here. But for a couple of reasons, you want to make sure that you have the right car. You, you, there could be people fleeing that parking lot because they just saw a robbery. And now we're chasing the people that we now we're basically chasing a witness while we, we're leaving a robber in the bank. Okay, one and two. We want to make sure there's nobody bleeding to death in the bank. We're we have seasoned investigators like the aforementioned Ed and and other you know fine detectives who are eventually going to find this. Right before I uh, started working in my district's uh, detective bureau, um, they had a string of we'll say maybe ten or eleven bank robberies that they handled, and they were ten for ten. Or eleven for eleven. They they caught every single bank robber. You know there, there was no bank robber they didn't keep, t- catch because it's a, it's a little bit easier nowadays. But when you I do understand that as a street cop because this is my timing and I'm telling you that you know earnestly. I'm pulling up to the bank. There's a gray Lexus screaming through the the uh, median and it doesn't have any plates on it. That's that's usually what I see. And so, yeah, I'm going to, I'm going to give chase until we can kind of figure it out. Otherwise, I mean, yeah, I do get that that's, you know, a clue, but at the same time, there are other considerations we need to think about. And when you're talking about a pursuit of somebody who's driving that dangerously, they are putting the rest of the citizens in jeopardy. So we got to pay attention to speeds 
And and guess what today was, John, here in in my neck of the woods? It was the first day of school. So oh, yeah. you don't want people screaming. You don't want bank robbers screaming through a school zone if, if school is letting out and six patrol cars emblazoned with, you know, the words <laughs> Barnett County Sheriff on the side of it. You know what I'm saying? Like it's um, it's a dangerous game. So uh, we, we just we need to do a little bit of extra work sometimes. Case in point, too. Um at one point, this is the vehicles driving on the medium. I believe uh, this vehicle did attempt to drive into oncoming traffic. That is something we see a lot in pursuits. Bad yeah. guys know to do that. They know if they cross over, if it's an undivided highway. A boulevard is something with a median in it, if you want to be really specific. But if they go over to an undivided highway, they can get into the oncoming lane of travel. It's an extremely dangerous situation, okay? It's basic geometry. If the other vehicle's coming one way southbound at 65 and you're going northbound at 65, the, it's like running into a wall at 130 miles an hour. Like, no one's going to survive that crash. You're going to kill innocent people. It's better to just let the bad guys think they got away. Find some other way to locate them or let them just get away with the money rather than depriving someone of uh you know a mother or a child or something like that so that is something we see a lot that uh the on the other hand there's uh there's exceptions to that i have seen pursuits where they go into the oncoming lane of travel and uh and i believe it was an armed robbery situation and they were already firing guns at the police officers in pursuit so at that point we pretty much uh needed to take those guys out so uh, that was one a, a rare situation where uh, the danger that they posed to the public was continuing beyond uh, whether or not we were pursuing. But let's keep going. I get it. The problem with that, though, John, is that the bullet doesn't know that it's going to the police officer. Sometimes the bullet goes to the uh, elderly father that's sitting at the McDonald's picnic bench. Eating. That's true, unless you live on the Great Plains. Oh, that's true. And, and there's nothing on either side of the highway within view. <laughs> Colorado. At that at that point, like when your backstop is physics itself, like you're pretty much good to go. The curvature of the earth is your backstop. Yes, right. yes. The the bullet doesn't have escape velocity, so we should be good to go. Fire away. Here we go. Seven twelve. He's uh on 121st. Going eastbound. Pull that off camera, please. And five eleven. I've got a civilian rider, so I'm gonna go to Wells Fargo. 712, I believe he dipped out in one of these uh, subdivisions. Actually, disregard, he's uh, eastbound on 120, approaching Holly. He's in excess of 100 miles an hour. I'm going to disengage. Traffic's heavy. 411, okay, I'll try to let see if he goes down 85 from 104. Can I get another car here? I got somebody in the parking lot who's refusing to identify himself. Six eleven around. She's seven twelve. I'm stopping here at one twenty in Jasmine. He is headed towards eighty five. Actually from a distance here, he just turned south on Riverdale. Correction, Quebec. Um pause it, John. Oh good. Uh here here's some considerations as uh as a shift commander that I'm listening to. Uh, first of all, you, you really got to have your ear glued to this radio. And sometimes you, you, you come in mid sentence and you're like, Oh shit, what did I just hear? So when, when he says things like going 110 and in the, in the next breath, he's like residential neighborhood, you're like, Oh my God. 
you really have to be listening to know the full context of that. And you got to, you got to rely on your supervisors that they're paying attention to what's going on. But generally when you're sitting around the office, you will hear that. Uh, first of all, that that's the point of the tones, by the way, it's just that our, the agency where I worked was so busy that there was no point in the tones. I mean, it just, it was something, you know, pretty much every couple minutes. So, but you really got to listen to those radios. And then this is where even as a supervisor or a dispatcher or a cop that you need to hear people's voices every day. You need to listen to your cops every day and, and know when they're in distress and know when their adrenaline has got their uh, vocal cords, uh, you know, tied up pretty tightly. Like, they're nervous. Now, the guy that was calling the pursuit was doing an amazing job. He was very calm. He was giving, you can, and, and this is part of the evaluation. You, you got to deter, you got to figure out the weather. You got to figure out where he is. Is he near a school zone? Is he near a church? How many cars are on the road? Is it raining? Um, what's his speed? What's the bad guy's speed? What's the crime? Does the guy have any hostages with him? Uh, there's a lot to, to process and to think about. Well, this guy is also, and then, you know, you've got to drive, the, the the officer in the pursuit has to drive somewhere around 80% of their abilities because you got to save 20% for error because the bad guy is driving at 100% of their abilities. And you got to be able to think straight when you need to jump out of the car and go run after somebody because you got to conserve some of your energy and your adrenaline for that. So there's a lot of uh, moving parts here. Um, and this guy was so self-aware that, you know, look, he's picking up speed. There is no, you know, I, I, it's controversial. Like back, I'll say 10 years, that guy would just get nothing but booed and jeered by every single cop that I worked with, uh, for chickening out, so to speak. Uh, not today. Uh, now that he will get cheered by a hundred percent or not, maybe not a hundred percent of them because some have never been in a pursuit and, you know, they want a taste of that and I get it. But, um, a lot of the supervisors now are going to call that off like pretty quickly. He self-governed and said, yeah, this is, this is not safe for us. Now, another thing that you, another consideration is uh, if that office has an aviation unit, that the best thing to do would be, look, if you want to back off, back off, shut your lights off, keep an eye on them, but we're, we've got the helicopter getting up right now. So if you can just keep a loose eye on him or you, you want to continue and it's not dangerous to do so, uh, once the helicopter's up, everybody's going to back off. John? The other thing to consider is uh, what kind of vehicle is it? I've seen uh, law enforcement officers getting into pursuits with what we call a crotch rocket, which is this little motorcycle or whatever. Uh, they'll, be, they'll be doing 120 through a town. You know, we've got these little towns that are kind of dotted along major roads. And uh, the, the amount of risk that's there with them crashing the bike, killing themselves, smashing into a building, killing someone else is so high. And yet there's still law enforcement officers out there who are giving pursuit to these things. I get it. They don't have a license plate. I get that there was a traffic infraction and they lay it off. They've probably got warrants. But again, let's not, not compound this issue. Uh, this vehicle, that the sedan or crossover that these guys are driving is a little bit safer. But that is something else that they'll uh, pay attention to. The speed's obviously very important. Uh, anytime you're going 100 miles an hour, it's very dangerous conditions. Um, and a lot of reasons you'll see pursuits terminated. Uh, Drew, the other side of it is, if you don't mind a little policy being interjected, I also know what it's like when you have a no pursuit policy. 
I've yeah. seen uh, agencies reach out to uh, the state agencies because the state the state guys, the highway patrol, in other words, they will pursue, but the city guys won't. So the city guys will go out with, they'll get ready to serve a high-risk warrant or something, and they're like, hey, can you guys be in the area? And they'll be like, what for? And they'll be like, in case, he, in case he runs. Oh, you mean so that we can assume the liability of chasing yeah. this guy that you're serving the warrant on? Uh, I'm going to Denny's. I'm 10-10. Thanks anyway, guys. You know, so when when you have, you know, uh, joint jurisdictions of differing policies, you end up winding up with, uh, you know, a trooper who's chasing somebody through town and he doesn't have any backup because you don't have joint policies. So, of oh. course, I believe that every every agency should be able to make a policy that's best for them. I believe in small governance uh, and localities doing what's in the best interest of them. But, boy, it sure can get sticky quick when you're uh, when you have issues like that. Anything else, Drew, or do you have commentary on that? Yeah, th- this is. Uh, yeah. I do have commentary on that. This is this is where, when you're a supervisor out there, you're trying to make these decisions. We know that the cops want to jump in the pursuit of the neighboring agency, but if they're pursuing somebody who stole six dollars worth of pencils from the dollar store, we're not getting involved in that. And I, I understand that it's like th- then it becomes uh, well, it's it's uh, it's an assault on a Leo because he uh, drove at the the guy and and then. You know, by the time we get involved in this and then we get them stopped and we get them in handcuffs and blah, 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 you find out that, yeah, well, I mean, I ran straight up to his hood and then he he kind of revved his engine and, and it's not exactly what they told you it was anyway. And we have put a bunch of people in danger and we've assumed the liability of this pursuit. And we've continued it. And there's no way on God's green earth we would have pursued for that, yet we're pursuing somebody else. Uh, so we're joining in somebody else's pursuit. So I, I know that that becomes a Debbie Downer issue sometimes with the cops on the street, but there's a lot more to think about in, in these things. Um, and as far as a no pursuit policy is concerned, let me just throw this out there as bait. Um, there, there isn't a property crime in the world that's worth uh, a six-year-old's life, right? And And the potential for a six-year-old to die in a pursuit is just as random as a 90-year-old. I mean, it's not always the cops and the robbers that get hurt in these pursuits. This is the problem. It's, you know, you're in traffic, so you could hit a church bus. You could hit anybody else. And let's think about why we're doing this when it comes to property crimes, not not person's crimes, but property crimes. Let's think about why we're doing this. Well, God, I mean, you know, if you were, if you had your car stolen, wouldn't you want the cops to chase it till the wheels fell off? No, I don't want that fucking thing back. I want it back. I want my car back. I don't care about no little kids. Yeah, at one and two, like I don't want it back if they're going to wrap it around a pole and the insurance company is going to fix it. And now oh, I get their funk out of it and, you know, drive a, a limping vehicle. One, two, we're assuming a lot of liability and risk in doing that for a property crime that we can probably identify somebody later on down the road. If it's a person's crime or a forcible felony like a rape or a, a robbery, an armed robbery or an aggravated battery or domestic situation where, you know, we're never going to be able to get hands on this guy again or something like that. Yeah, we, we definitely need to chase and we need to do what we got to do. And we, you know, what we're trained to do and the pit maneuvers and the vehicle interception, you know, the vehicle intercepts and all that other stuff. That's, that's where all that comes in. But, uh, in Florida, I, I can tell you, I know it's state by state, but in Florida, you have a, a very high elderly population. You also have a very high 
uh, high school learning how to drive age population, and uh, nobody gets out of the way of the cops with the red and blue lights. What makes you think they're going to get out of the way of the pursued vehicle and your vehicle? Uh, so you're going to create problems. You're going to you're going to create injury and death. And for what? We're either going to wreck the car, the stolen car, or we're going to wreck our car. And no, you know, a lot of times these agencies are self-insured. So if you smash a car, it's gone. It's out of the fleet. You're going to have to buy a new one to replace it. So it's uh, property crimes are not. I, I do understand the signal that people think that it sends. Like, well, they think they could just get away with crime and. No, we we have detectives that are capable of getting them, and we'll get them another day. But we're not going to put people at risk just to to you know to send a message to somebody who might not steal a car. You know that's such a that's that's bullshit. Like if you think that they're going to run back to the hood and say, "Oh, they chased me," so you better not steal a car. They're going to guys, guys, they they chased after me. Crime does not pay. It turns out. <laughs> Right, they're just gonna go. They're gonna go back and they're gonna assemble. They're gonna discuss the. Cha- they're gonna debrief basically, and then they're gonna go steal another car and pray that you chase them again because they've seen this on Grand Theft Auto and they're doing it in real life. So uh, chasing for property crimes is a no no in my book. There, there's one one last aspect down there in South Florida. You not only have a high elderly population, a lot of kids want to drive, a lot of people dressed up as Disney characters that you can't run when you're dressed up like Goofy. Come on now. Uh, one, one last problem is, uh, so these guys know, like, okay, so supposedly these guys are getting into a chase. You know, you're talking about the, when they go to gang practice and they're having their debriefs about the latest encounter with the law. They're like, oh, the cops were chasing me until I drove into the oncoming lane. Then they left me alone. So you've taught them like, oh, just drive in the oncoming lane. Okay, so that works. That ends a pursuit. But now we're also like, like, what is it you're always saying? You're saying like we're we're creating the exigency. So now we know the criminals know all I have to do is do this really dangerous thing for a few seconds and it's fine. Well, what if those few seconds are the fatal few seconds for somebody? That was something to think about. Before we go, Andrew, I know you hate when we get calls at the last second. I know that usually when we end the show, you seethe and you throw your computer around. You're like, why do they call at the end? Uh, we got a caller right now on the line. It's Mike. I don't know if you want to bring him in before the gunplay, but he's ready and waiting to go. Yeah, we do have uh, – hold on. We're going to go to David first, though. David, get David on the line. We'll get, we're going to get David on the horn. He's been waiting the longest. David, good evening. Crazy over John and John's uh, hatred towards the Eagles. Uh, we're still we're still debating, dancing, still trying to figure out how to uh, solve John's problem. You know, with the Cowboys and everything. But uh, the, we're we're coming together. Uh, we're, I'm trying to send John a box of bees. Uh, they have agreed to the box, uh, but John just needs to give me his address, and the box of bees will arrive in two days. David, this is a very first 25 minutes type of thing to say. What do you have to say about pursuits? I think John should make all decisions on pursuits. Yeah, every Thank every you. agency should call John and make a call. I agree. David, yeah. David, what's the United States Navy official pursuit policy? All right, get the bees off. Get him out of here. I'm sick of it already. I'm, I'm afraid he's succumbed. He's, I, I hope he's stung. Yeah. I, I wonder yeah. what the Navy's policy is on pursuits. I wanted to hear him say something cool. Instead, he's sitting there just waiting for us to answer so that he could activate me with mentioning the Eagles and bees. 
I guarantee Micah can give us a, a, a where to four. He's got a joke. Micah is going to cheer me up. Micah, let's oh, yeah, go. go for it, Micah. Well, I wasn't issued a segue like Paul Blart, so all mine have been foot pursuits. So I can't really uh, comment too much on the subject. But something without doxing, John, for somebody to identify, to clarify, because you're talking about when people call in, uh, do you know what the difference is or why it's called a chicken coop? No. Because it only has two doors? Because it. Right. If it had four doors, it would be a chicken sedan. <laughs> yes. I knew one for once. Hot damn. This is my day, people. He he has been getting me with this for weeks. I never know it. Thank you, Kathy. You're forever in our good graces for doing that. Um, and uh, that was quite a segue. Okay. Yes. Uh, go for it, John. Well, do we have any other callers or should we go to the, the exciting yeah. gun battle, the denouement tonight's presentation? Yeah. All right, we, we will go to the gun battle. What does Eric say? You better acknowledge oh, our, his super chat. Eric, the super when you super chat us, it doesn't make sense, right? Like, why would you do this? Of, yeah, it comes out of our pocket. Uh, yeah, you're just, you're uh, well, whatever. You're, you're feeding somebody else. All right, let's let's do it. Drew, this is kind of your moment to shine. Dispatchers are out of it. This is all cop time. So nope. I'm going to go ahead and hit play, and you tell me right. when to pause. Go. Two, one. All calls continue to hear information. All right, I'm going to terminate it. Passing Rosemary, eastbound on 88. All right, Drew. So that was the supervisor there. I heard a little bit of tone, and not the kind of tones that are meant to alert someone. <laughs> Unless you want to alert someone to, they better start calling their pursuit. What did you think about that? Did you hear the tone in his voice? He basically was almost punishing him. If you don't start calling this, I will terminate it. He's like, you will have a worse day. Go ahead. I think that you don't, I I think that, um, how do I put this gingerly? I'm not in the profession anymore, so I can't get really, I can't really can't get in trouble for this. There's, there is a lot of um, deniability that can occur if you don't, what am I trying to say? The more you let it go on, the more of an opportunity you have to justify its existence. But if you let it go on and they're not telling you what's happening, then you're screwed when something bad happens as a supervisor. So you've got to be able to um, you got to be able to justify it. So if they're doing a good job and telling you everything that's going on, you can kind of like pull the lever where like you can at least have the deniability when you're called to the carpet to say, mm, maybe I should have called it at that point. Yeah, you're right. You got a point. And because there's still, you know, you got to keep the, the uh, you got to keep, the safety of the citizens first. You got to keep the morale of the troops in mind as well. Not just the morale, but like you've got to, you can't expect them to go out there and fight crime. If you're going to handcuff them every time they try to fight crime. So there's a balancing act that you're going to have to be play as a supervisor. And when somebody is not giving you a fresh update and you're already sitting on pins and needles because you think I should have called this off a long time ago, (laughs) Uh, I, I'm starting to sweat sitting here. Um, then uh, you get a little antsy, and 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 tempers flare in moments like that. I mean, 
um, you know, I, I think that that's probably, it was like, hey, dummy, at least tell us where you're at. Uh, t- you know, tell us what's going on. Just give us an update. Um, and, and you know what? And it may be a, a matter of that officer is monitoring two channels and transmitting on one, but you're hearing the voice on the other. And, and that happens frequently. And there's not a whole lot of time when you're pursuing somebody at 100 miles an hour to look down and see which radio is which. And, you know, if the, if the radio is scanning, you're going to hear what's going on on both channels, but you're only transmitting on one. So the, the supervisor might not be hearing what the officer is actually saying. That's my take. My, my take is this. We had a, a small town police officer once uh, just cross paths with a genuine bad actor. And they got into a high piece, high speed pursuit down a lonely state highway. Not much, not a lot of traffic, but it was a high speed pursuit. And they weren't saying anything. I'm watching them on the map. They're they're going southbound on this road, clearly going at about 110. I'm hearing nothing from this guy. The only reason I have any idea what road they're on, which direction they're going, is because I'm watching their AVL. So I get on the radio and I say, uh, "Unit, this is dispatch. Uh, can you give me uh, your direction of travel, your reason for the stop? Can you give me traffic conditions?" And um, so then they kind of, you know, this is their first pursuit. They kind of get to him like, I'm headed southbound on this road. I'm behind this vehicle. This is the license plate. This is the reason for the stop. And I'm like, okay, I I want you to just keep calling out to me what you're seeing as you go. So I know, you know, the landmarks and and cross streets. So I know where you're at. I say this to him on the radio, kind of focus them in. And you know what happened? The sheriff heard that, heard heard that on the radio uh, when they were doing the after action report. And he said, wow, great job. Except he thought it was some other deputy coaching him. So that deputy got all my credit. It was me doing that. All right, Drew. <laughs> well, in fairness, you're, you know, he, he's, he's not going to assume that the dispatcher is smart. That's, that's the, the super a police supervisor way. I guess I just sound like that one other deputy. I don't know what to say about that. Let's go. <laughs> oh, hit play. Or do you want me to? I'll do it. I've been doing it this whole time, so that's right. Let's go. Speeds are 85. Traffic is light. Just like we talked about on Friday's show, and if you haven't seen last Friday's show, please go back and watch it. Follow us on Instagram. You'll get all the show times and, and everything else. But closing speed is uh, very deceptive when you're on either side, when you're in the sled and when the sled's coming at you. Closing speed is very deceptive. Think about this. Uh, this guy is saying he's doing 85 miles an hour. I have no reason to disbelieve him. Uh, it's there might be like a 10 or 12% plus or minus in there. Um, and he's, uh, he's doing 85, but he's got that computer in front of him. He's got the radio going on and he's got the mic in his hand and he's trying to steer and he's trying to work the pedal. So just think of, think of the last time you as a civilian or anybody else uh, drove in a rainstorm, right? And, and your senses are just like, on fleek like you're just like you know it's almost like you're on point in vietnam yeah i'm sorry i don't but but it, it's i legitimately just, do not know what that means 
I don't, don't tell me I want to go to my grave without knowing. No, on fleek means uh, it's it's sharp and it's fly. And I yes, I know. Stop, stop. So uh, <clears throat> at any point, you're you're hypersensitive to a lot of things, but you're doing a hundred things. And and God forbid, you know, let, let's think about the canine involved in the pursuit because the dog's going nuts. And and if they're not involved in the pursuit, every time they key their radio to get on to tell you something or to tell the shift commander something, the dog is in the background going nuts because it knows that dog knows. I'm telling you unequivocally, the dog knows when there's some shit going down, he can hear the human voices just like we can. And he's back there going. So you're hearing that in the pursuit and it's adding to the confusion. It's adding to the, the, uh, the divided attention, so to speak. And you're trying to do all of this at once and at the same time maintain the safety. You can see he's whizzing by um, uh, uh, semi-trucks, you know, the tractor trailers. So, and and just for everyone's, you know, the old school way uh, of figuring out speed, by the way, when, uh, when an, uh, an old shift commander would have to uh, try to figure out if you were where you said you were when you said you were there, they would actually run it at the speed you said that you were, they would play the tape back. They would throw it in a cassette way back when, and they'd run it. They'd be like, there's no possible way you were doing 86 miles an hour because I couldn't get there. You know, I went on the road when there was nobody else out there and I drove it. There's no way you were doing that. You were probably doing more like 100, 110. Now we have at least, you know, GPS and stuff like that to, to kind of track where people were and stuff like that. But uh, just know, if, the, if the, when there's an after action after the pursuit, all of that is going to be downloaded. All that data is going to be downloaded. It's going to be plotted. It's going to be shown. They're going to review your body cam. They're going to review your dash cam. They're going to review the radio traffic. Everybody together. You're all going to sit there. They never include the dispatcher for whatever dumb reason. Uh, but everyone's going to sit there and review all this stuff in a post um, in a post uh, pursuit, you know, like debrief like a couple days later when the smoke settles. All right, go ahead. He just wrecked out, wrecked out at Highway 2 and 88th, Highway 2 and 88th. Hey, hey, shot fired, shot fired, shot fired. All right, he immediately got out of the car and was met with gunfire. Uh, he, he, he shots fired, shots fired because they were firing at him. Like they wrecked the car. You'll see in a second, it, it kind of spun around in the highway, uh, but they wrecked the car and um, they immediately began firing at him. So he had no other choice but to get out and, and return fire. All right, go ahead. Drew, Drew one good point though. Uh, and correct me if I'm wrong. He gets out of the car. He's met with gunfire. He's uh, he got his weapon out in front of him. He's returning fire quite right as he should. Uh, but he's code black a little bit because he's saying shots fired, which I guess he should, but he's also has both his hands on the gun. So he's not talking to it on the radio. Correct. That's correct. Yeah. So, so he is, he is, he is, you know, he, this is just his level of excitement. He's firing back as he should. He's saying shots fired, which is his training, you know, to get down on communications, but he's not grabbing his radio. Do you see how much bandwidth it takes up when you're a police officer and you're in this situation to the point where you need help right now? You need to let everyone who know who's on your tail and coming in that a gunfight's going on, but you are so busy returning fire that you can't even get that out. I just wanted to point that I, out in case it wasn't obvious. 
well, just playing devil's advocate. Also, uh, he, he may be speaking into his body cam. Uh, maybe, so maybe that's fine. There are fired the shots being fired at me. Go ahead. Yeah. All right. I will hit play. <laughs> my hitting it or? Oh my god! You have control now, Drew. What eleven shots fired? Oh, shots fired. So it appears to me they were in the black or whatever color it was SUV and they smashed into a white pickup truck. So they're on the shoulder of the road or on the side of the road, like in a field, so to speak. And then there's another vehicle that is just kind of spun out in the middle of the road and they're engaged in a, in a good old fashioned Western gun battle at this point. This is something known as a tactical reload. He uh, he expended a few rounds out of his gun, kind of kind of slung the magazine out of his uh, gun and put a fresh magazine in there, so he knows that he's fully loaded and ready to go. Good training there. He Get knows on what the he's, ground. What he's doing? Get on the ground! 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 This is something that we end up covering in every either police shooting or, um, you know, high profile situation, multiple officers yelling multiple commands. Now, it's it's one thing if you're all yelling the same thing. Helpful. Um, but it's if you're giving conflicting commands, somebody's going to end up getting shot over that. Um, or even, the, even just two different commands that don't necessarily conflict, like put up your hands or get on the ground and you're like. You know, you're like, you're going to do a belly flop on the ground. Like you don't know who to listen to and you really don't want to get shot by either person. Not that I'm empathizing with like the, the armed no. bank robber here, but no. we got to remember, we got to remember like cases like Daniel Shaver where, you know, this shit is, happens. This is the classic Daniel Shaver moment where, you know, as his attorney, Mark Ergos would say he, he was shot and killed for not following Simon says, because they were yelling and screaming at him. And he just, he basically, you know, you talk about bandwidth when you've got a long gun and you're in a hallway in a, in a hotel and you got a long gun in a, in a pistol, you know, pointed at you and you're wearing nothing but your boxer shorts and they're just screaming at the top of their lungs at you. And you're a little intoxicated. Um, your brain Friday. Yep. Yeah. Your, your brain's going to freeze. So, yep. All right. Keep going, Drew. I'm trying. Get on the ground. Get your hands out. Get your hands out. I don't see another person in the car. Don't fucking move. Hands out in front of you now. Moving in the front. Moving in the front. I think that's the airbag. No, he's moving. He's moving. You in the car. Put your hands up. He's reaching for something. Put your hands up. You in the car. Police are under arrest. Police are under arrest. For those that are listening and not watching, they're they're showing different body camera views. John kind of edited this together. Uh, he, you know, he synced them up, which is amazing. But but they're also different camera views, and you can hear what the other two officers are saying. There's there's great communication between the three of them, and they're trying to get their message across to the bad guys, but it's it's however not working. 
other messages that are going out are to stage medical nearby just in case anyone gets shot. Of course, they've already crashed out. Again, you can't send first responders and ambulance crew into what you would might call a hot zone or anywhere where bullets are flying. So you're going to have them staged nearby and wait for clearance to approach. I, I'm sorry. This is the, the mean part of me, but I hear at one point the bad guy's like, my arm's broken. Like, he can't give up because his arm's whatever. Um, but these officers are on a razor's edge, right? You hear one of them saying, he's reaching for something. He's reaching for something. This guy in a fraction of a second can fire around at them and end, end their life. They're this close to killing this guy, any wrong move. And, and I don't doubt that his arm may be fucked up. He, you know, he's certainly having a bad day that again, he started, but uh, this is, this is, this is a standoff guys. And right now, uh, so many people on the verge of death and it's, it's, just very tense. I feel for these police officers. They're going to be hurting for days. These guys have so much adrenaline going through them that for the rest of the day, I have no, I have no doubt they felt like shit. They probably felt like they were in a car accident. Drew. They probably, like, went to sleep. One, one in the car still. Get on the ground! Get on the ground! No! Hey! Let County know he's running eastbound across the railroad tracks on the highway too. I think he's on, I don't know. It's a white shirt. One eleven. We got the driver crossing the roadway wearing a white jacket, black jeans now. He's the one who had the shotgun. Okay, so somebody bailed out of the car. They're they're trying to get uh, information to another agency that's assisting them to say, hey, look, you know, this is the description of the other guy. Make sure that they know he's armed, which is very which is very important for the officer that's about to pull up on him uh, to know. Earlier, as the first officer was approaching the scene, uh, the the lead vehicle in pursuit, right, when he was about to stop and uh, go 1097 around scene with this guy, another unit said to him, like, hey, just remember, this guy is armed. You know, it doesn't hurt to throw out those extra caution warnings, because especially after a pursuit, you get so hyped up on on catching the guy, you know, you're, you're like a, a dog chasing a ball. You got to remember that when you get out of that vehicle, that guy's, that guy's got a gun. And sure enough, this officer showed up ready to go. He rolls out of there. A gunfight ensues, but, you know, he wasn't caught off guard. And uh, it just never hurts to, to reissue those caution warnings, Drew. Here we go. Hey, we need to get the driver over there. Two, get the driver. He's running. Get the driver. He's running. One eleven. This may be maybe attempting to carjack another car. Okay, shortly after this, they were able to take both suspects into custody. They were charged with a litany of things. One of them was even charged with kidnapping, which made me first think that maybe they had taken off with a hostage. Someone did try to carjack another car. The vehicle that they struck here, they struck, I believe, two vehicles. With the second and final vehicle, they were attempting to carjack it. It just goes to show you that uh, even though this one guy's laying on the ground with his arm broken and he's ready to give up, the other one's still, still ready to fight. Uh, I, I like this uh, case. I think the police did a great job, but uh, armed bank robbery and a chase and a, a, an attempted carjacking. Uh, you don't see a lot of crimes like this uh, around here. I don't know how it is in Tampa, Drew, but I mean, uh, it takes takes a lot of balls. We were talking before the show about how life is pretty raw in Colorado right now. And um, 
I don't know if this is because police departments are being weakened politically or by having good police officers leave, or as Eric would doubtlessly say, people know that if they have an encounter with police, uh, that they can uh, manipulate those events to go towards a big payday. Uh, but uh, it seems like things are escalating. Drew, what's your take? Well, I don't want to get too far down this rabbit hole, but uh, crime, uh, so, uh, I think the, the, the legalization advocates of, uh, of marijuana and other drugs um, sometimes don't think fully and they don't believe police when, when, or, or criminal justice practitioners when they tell them, you know, listen, if you legalize this stuff, I understand the medical implications, but there are criminal implications that you need to think about, like, uh, for instance, you know, I, I don't know if it's still this way in Colorado, but um, uh, you couldn't use a bank to 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 anything you sell. You can't you have to do it in cash. So it's an all cash business because it's still federally illegal. So it's an all cash business, which means, you know, it's just basically the criminals taking over the the being the good guys. You know what I'm saying? Like it's it's I I do understand the need for medical marijuana or THC or or without the THC or whatever, but I also understand too that there are some bad things that go along with it, and crime begets crime, and it it also begets addiction. And when you when you increase your addictions, not necessarily to marijuana but to other drugs, when you increase your addictions. The other person's crimes are going to come along with that. Property crimes go up first, and when they get done breaking into people's homes, they're going to start just robbing them straight from the streets or walking into a bank and robbing robbing it. So people need money to fuel their habits. And uh, when you're <laughs> when you're in you know laid back um, you know Grateful Dead zone, um, and and everyone's just happy, you know you think everyone's just mellow and happy. Um, there's a whole element there that's not there for that. They're there for the money part, and they're there to do some bad things. So I think crime actually could increase in an area like that. I have no data to support that. I'm just, you know, I'm just kind of winging it. But um, you know, I think one could make the argument that there's there's probably going to be some crime associated with that. Yeah, it's I, I don't know. I, I see escalation, but you know, I, what do I know? Uh, I'm someone who's sort of a I don't have the experience you have, you know, 30 years in the department. I don't know what it was like back in the eighties when you were wearing your cowboy hat and you're in your white shirt and you had your two silver guns and you were, I don't know. It just yeah. seems to me like it, within the context of my career, since uh, I would say 2020 seems like things have gotten a lot worse. Uh, a lot of people just have the attitude that they don't have to have to comply with law enforcement, a general culture of lawlessness. I mean, uh, you know, we had we had the Watts riots in the 60s and we had, uh, you know, the dust ups to put them uh, lightly in the 90s and all this. And we got the George Floyd era. But, you know, now we have uh, in New York City, some some influencer on YouTube wants to give out PS fives. And when they're not there, it's uh, it's everybody riot, you know, so I don't know. But I guess I came from a simpler time, you know, we, I would punch a guy for a Nintendo entertainment system in 1985, but I wouldn't riot, you know, that's just me. That's just a, a system of lawlessness in that whole city. That, that, that to me is New York. You mean? Yes. That that's the product of the defund movement because of the narrative that was pushed forth in the George Floyd case. That yeah. that's exactly what that is because poli did you lose me? Oh, you're still here, Drew. Go ahead. The politicians have done what? Politicians defunding or undermining 
law enforcement yes. mm-hmm. and all of this stuff spreading in media doing the same for a buck and spreading this information on social media is generational now because uh, we're only a couple of years removed. So, so those eight year old kids or nine year old kids during the, the George Floyd or Mike Brown, uh, today is the anniversary of uh, Mike Brown's uh, death, by the way. And uh, Corey Bush tweeted out that it was systemic racism, of course, because uh, it had nothing to do with Mike Brown trying to beat the shit out of Darren Wilson and steal his gun, as the the Obama DOJ proved in their report. Um, those kids are now 12, 13, 14 years old. And who do you think is at the Kai Senate? You know, what do you exactly? What do you, what do you think they're learning from their parents or their they're all, they're also just seeing these these huge paydays they see people who are are getting roughed up and it's it's like it's it's better odds than playing the lottery that you're going to get at least some kind of settlement you know um on a hard time we talked about a, a correctional officer at rikers island and uh an inmate was uh, being assaulted by another inmate uh new york city uh, settled uh with that inmate uh, he was he was being beaten up for less than two minutes, and he got nine million dollars out of that deal. And and uh, Jake and I on that show were joking, like, that's the most uh, cost time efficient job in capitalism. Like, if I if I can make nine million dollars by like being beaten up for two minutes, I'm going to do it. You know, and so so that's what they're seeing though. They're seeing these these people like they don't realize they're gambling with their lives, of course, because they don't care. They they feel like, you know, the police are going to go out there, even though they have constitutional rights during an arrest, all they have to do is just not comply. And they're because of the culture, because of politicians, they're going to walk away with a payday. And uh, that was a culture that we definitely didn't have 10 years ago or 20 years ago. And, and it's uh, sickening because it, you're just, you're incentivizing crime. And now not only are you incentivizing it, but we don't have robust and uh, durable departments who can meet this head on. We also have just lost a whole bunch of great police officers who have said, F this noise, I'm not putting up with this. Yep. Uh, by the way, 9 million for over two minutes, that's uh, $75,000 a second. I know. And the guy was being beaten up with a cast. So the guy who's attacking you is already injured. It can't be that bad. I, I don't want to take anything away from the guy, but I also don't want to give him anything because he's already got $9 million. Here's the best part about that story of that correctional officer in New York. So he sees this guy getting beaten up, throws himself between these two guys, which I would say you don't need to do that as a correctional officer. You don't, your job's not to get hurt stopping people from fighting. You need to get back up before you throw yourself in there. He did it anyway. You had a state's attorney saying, oh, it was a half-hearted uh, attempt to stop these two guys from fighting. The Department of Corrections knowingly put him in with a dangerous person, which everyone in jail is dangerous, by the way. And um, <laughs> so this guy saved an inmate's life, stopped him from being assaulted, you know, after a minute and some seconds. He walked, goes home that day, believe he saved a life uh, the city pays out nine million dollars so who's gonna pay for that drew who's gonna be made to pay is it uh who is it the chief administrator of rikers island is it the no. watch commander no the shit rolls downhill and the correctional officer was fired here's the best part of it okay so administratively they were going to handle it and take away vacation days from him and then he lost his job and then he had to go to trial to get it back so his first punishment was he lost his job but then when he won he got his job back. So what's the punishment? Is it loss of vacation days or is the punishment going back to work at Rikers Island? I don't know. I'm digressing here. The point is, is that you, if you're a young person in today's culture and you want a payday, this is better than the lottery. Go ahead, Drew. No, it's you're right. I mean, it, it's all a game. Like the department feels uh, that they need to fire you to send a message fully knowing you're probably going to get your job back. Fire yourselves, Rikers that's- Island staff. 
I, you know, it's just we've descended into it, and this was probably the point. We've descended into the chaos that they were hoping to hoping to create, and we we bit. We bit. and because of understaffing, that officer was doing two officers' jobs, by the way. So just just so you know, he also got essentially in trouble for not being two people at once, and uh, the <laughs> captain knew about that. Captain didn't get in trouble. Captain's just like, ah, I don't care. Uh, just just work twice as hard for the same pay, and then uh, gets gets sued by this uh, inmate who put himself in jail. Ultimately, uh, the proximate cause of him being in jail was his own criminal behavior. But somehow that just never comes up in the suit. You know, I never I never know why. And and just the gall to say they knowingly uh, put me in a, in confinement with a dangerous person. You're dangerous, dude. You're at Rikers Island. You're there for a reason, right? You know who's going to solve all these problems for us? It's it's Sheriff Joe. And we're going to talk to Sheriff Joe Arpaio tomorrow on Failure to Stop on the Friday Breakdown. Make sure you join us. Make sure you join us the Friday after that. We're going to be uh, speaking with Jenny Holdsclaw, the sister of Daniel Holdsclaw. If you don't remember, we on uh, the Friday Breakdown did a series of three episodes where we talked about uh, Daniel Holdsclaw. In that case, um, we got a hold of his sister, and she wants to come on and discuss things with us. The week after that, we're going to actually talk to his personal private investigator. And and uh, you know the 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 beauty and refreshing thing is we've already covered the case, so uh, we can get the kind of the behind the scenes, and we can get to the the nuts and bolts of it. Uh, I'm really excited about speaking to Sheriff Joe tomorrow. I'm even more oh, excited man. next week when we do our first ever. What did we decide we were going to call it, John? I believe it's called Call My Bluff Homicide Bluff. Edition. Yeah. Call My Bluff Homicide Edition, and uh, what we what what the panel of judges, who is by the way me, uh, I, I will play a snippet of a nine one one call, and it will be up to our uh, dispatcher contestant named John and our uh, law enforcement contestant named Josh Deadleg Media. He uh, and they will have to opine on whether they feel that this is a homicide or if it's a bluff uh, or if it's a suicide or what's happening. Uh, Drew, are we going to are we going to invite our callers to be contestants, too? We are certainly going to invite everyone to call in. Uh, as a matter of fact, we had B-Trav on the line a little while ago. Let, let's but... get him on. And don't forget, we have voicemails, Drew, but let's talk to B-Trav. Oh. Okay, well, no, he's gone. So, uh, so B-Trav, call back. I'm going to do voicemails, and you call back, B-Trav. <laughs> All right, just do the voicemails. All right, I'm going to play some voicemails. Here we go. Uh, I just want to say how much I appreciated last week's show. I think you guys did a really good job of breaking everything down. That was kind of a complicated case. Uh, also, I appreciate when you guys kind of slow down and explain things, because I am not actually in the center world. And sometimes you guys get talking about things and it's, it's just your own lingo. So I appreciate when you guys break that down. Uh, right. I hope tonight's show goes really well. And we're going to go swimming now and try not to get stung by any bees. Uh, we are going to schools that has less. So just luck. Okay, bye. See you later. All right. Thanks for calling in. Uh, yeah, we're glad to break things down for you. For, failure to Stop is the channel where we go to entertain and inform first responders. We're here to entertain friends and family as well. If you're interested in uh, pursuits, bank robberies, and whatever else, we encourage you to call us. Let's tell your friends about it. Even if they're outside of this world, maybe they'll find it uh, instructive or informative. Uh, do we have B-Trav on the line or you want me to go to our final voicemail? Go to the final voicemail. 
Let's go to the final one. B Trav, hope you're coming. Hey, it's Lumber Chef. How's it going? This message is for John, because I know that you guys have been lagging voicemails over the past couple times. And as I've just left job number one and I'm headed to job number two, and I am sticking an IV of coffee into my veins, I just wanted to tell John that Dallas sucks. Cowboys are not America's team. Go Bears. There you go. Okay, so let's talk about the Bears. 1985, when I was one years old, was the last time they did anything. And you guys can't keep a quarterback for anything, and you have no hopes. Even the Lions are going to kick your butts this year. So uh, I don't want to hear about Chicago. Uh, you're kidding yourself. Uh, if, if He's making reference uh, to uh, some of the posts I've made. I, re- I released uh, on Patreon the true story of me traveling to Wisconsin late last year. Uh, where the Green Bay Packers live and our fans. And I went dressed uh, in a Jay Cutler jersey just to provoke as many people as possible. And I detail actual real-life encounters between me and the people of Wisconsin. And I can testify to the fact that uh, Packers fans are dicks. It made me feel a little bit bad for the Bears, but uh, just bad for you. You know, kind of like it's sad. I don't I don't feel like the Bears are a great team or anything. I don't feel like you have anything to look forward to. Did B-Trav call us back? Tell no. me you're on the line, B-Trav. Oh, B-Trav, come on. Okay, so uh, that's that. Um, that's Com Center. Com Center is now over. <laughs> I mean, I don't, I don't want to end it that abruptly, but sure. Uh, <laughs> so, uh, and then we do, we have a show scheduled the week after that too, don't we? But I don't. Yeah, uh, I know what it is. Uh, they, if you, well, I don't want to ruin it, but there, there was a nine one one case that came out recently that uh, will shock and annoy and delight. So we will cover that oh. in two weeks time. Yeah. Okay. Uh, hey, thank you everybody for, for stopping by. Thank you for being part of our family. Abby, uh, uh, of, uh, on being a police officer, one of our mainstays reminded me of William, the refrigerator Perry. I have to thank her personally for that. Uh, listen, everybody tune in Peyton, tomorrow. Peyton should have gotten the ball. He didn't get to score the final touchdown to win that game. Walter Peyton, you don't give the ball to Walter Peyton. Come on. Uh, and then and, and know that Jim McMahon was a complete hero for wearing those headbands because he was fined by Paul Tagliabue every time he wore them. Yeah. Uh, Mike Singletary's uh, linebacker eyes are something that I always aspired to be when I was on the street, just always looking, just ready, looking for trouble. You know, if you Google Fridge Perry, he still does like birthdays and stuff. Like if you want Fridge Perry to come to your birthday, which you have to be older than me to want that, I encourage you to Google Fridge Perry. He will come to your birthday party. He'll show up. He'll do that. What was the name of that dance that did in 85? The Sticky Icky or something. We are the Bear Shuffling Crew. Uh, Bear Shuffle. Yes, the Bear Shuffle, wasn't it? Sticky Icky was a guy, wasn't he? No, that's Icky Woods. You're Icky thinking Woods. of uh, Cincinnati people, and that's uh, Chief Keefe. All oh, right, man. so on behalf of my friend, uh, Dead Leg Media, a kid named Josh who uh, produces this so wonderfully, and the other guy who is afraid of bees, and understandably so because we are at war, it's either us or them, mm-hmm. John, uh, I ask you, John, please stick around. Thank you for joining us on Comp Center. We'll see you next week. Guns up, giddy up. Good night, America.